Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say, so there will always be others that see it differently, and I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. It's not our job as nurses, as correctional staff, as anyone who works in a prison environment to punish people. Our job is to be professional and do our job, and that's to keep people safe. There'd be very few out there who wouldn't acknowledge nurses are wonderful, kind, unbelievably caring people who help us get better. They're there to bathe us, to dress us, encourage us to get out of bed, help us brush our hair and our teeth when required. They help make our bed, or they do make our beds, and basically be our carers while we're in the hospital. And at most of the time at our lowest ebb, their role is that much more difficult now due to COVID and everything that that throws at them. When we're in hospital, they're our family. They're our parents, our siblings, uh, other family members, they're our friend, our confidant, all wrapped up in one. They also have that cringeworthy phrase that we all loathe, including nurses, I'm sure, when they seem to ask incessantly if we've opened our bowels yet. Oh, my God, I hate that expression. I'm sure they do too. Um, so I wonder if you ever think about nurses who do all that as a nurse in a prison. 
Correctional nurses are a rare breed, in my view, to be able to do all those things I mentioned whilst being able to put aside any bias, any repulsion, any disgust and care for those prisoners just as they would one of us on the outside. It's like police conducting an interview with a pedophile, I suppose, even though internally you might feel disgusted and or repulsed by what they've done, they're still required to be afforded such basic human rights as being treated with respect, dignity and without bias. Prisoners come from a variety of backgrounds and they aren't just murderers, sex offenders or drug dealers. They're also white-collar criminals, people who haven't paid their fines, for instance, and others who, like our um, nonna a couple of weeks ago, they'd never been in trouble with the police before. So why does somebody become a correctional nurse? What is it that drives them to do that? I wonder if they feel intimidated or scared or vulnerable at times or all the time. What sort of support or backup do they have when treating a violent prisoner, for instance? And are they trained in self-defence? Well, let's ask our guest for today, Anne Craigie. And Anne, thank you so much for joining us. And how are you? I'm really well. Thanks, Narelle. And thanks for asking me to come along to have a chat with you today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I am a little bit nervous because my sidekick, Nick, isn't with me today uh, to help me in recording because Nick's on his first day out of partial freedom, I suppose, in Victoria. So I hope he is at a park having a picnic or something with his friends. But you're, you're actually in freedom, but you can't see your kids. No, they're just that little bit too far away and they're not fully vaccinated yet. So being a nurse, I have to do the right thing. The public health orders are there for a reason. So um, my husband and I are following the rules. So, yeah, we're hopefully going to be able to see them soon, though. Oh, I hope so too, Anne. I hope for everybody out there they can soon see their their loved ones and and friends. And, um, yeah, it's been been very difficult. Yeah. So, Anne... Would I be correct in saying that a correctional nurse is a specialist nurse of sorts? Um, I think you'd be absolutely spot on with that, Narelle. Um, so I guess I'm a pretty good example of, of what you can do um, with correctional health as, as a nursing background. So I've completely specialised in, in a correctional nursing context, I guess, um, I've been really lucky and fortunate and I've actually become a nurse practitioner. So just that um, really vast experience and exposure to managing really complex chronic health conditions in a correctional environment is a is a pretty specialised field, I think, um, and it's becoming even more so. If you look at states like Queensland, their, um, their prison health system is really nurse-driven, nurse-practitioner-driven. And, look, primary health care in prisons is nurse-led anyway. So it is it is um, very much a nurse um, environment. And, you know, you can do things like a postgraduate in correctional health nursing now at Australian Catholic University. So it is becoming more and more of a recognised, legitimate field for sure. What what's the difference? You talk then about a nurse and a nurse practitioner. Is there a difference? There is. So you you go on and you do extra um, training, 
and extra education and within your field of specialty and you actually become an autonomous practitioner so you can prescribe medication and um, order, you know, medical imaging, those sorts of pretty advanced practice things. Yeah, so it's it's a great thing. Oh, okay. So, so you're sort of like, um, I don't know, maybe a rung under a doctor? Would that be right? Oh, <laughs> have to watch what I say here. <laughs> no, I think I think nurse practitioners. Yeah, I, I, I understand. Um, I think we get sort of hung up on the the medication side of things, but it's very much a distinct from a medical, like a, a medical doctor. Um, but yeah, it's it's it is really sort of advanced autonomous practice. So. You know, it's it's been a it's it's something I wouldn't have been able to do without all of my prison experience. So, I guess I'm a little bit different to a lot of other people who may have just entered um, correctional nursing. So, what sort of uh, quali- qualifications do you need to be a correctional nurse, as say opposed to just a general registered nurse? Um, <clears throat> I think for most people, they probably come from you know, an ED, emergency background or ICU critical care. Um, A lot of people that I've worked with over the years have got that really solid um, foundation. Um, But it's not essential. I think it's just you just have to have really good um, rock-solid assessment skills. Um, That's probably the most important thing. And you have to be a calm person, Narelle. (laughs) Um, I think that really helps. Yeah. 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 I mean, nursing, you know, nursing in those environments, you have to be, um, I'm not talking about just correctional now, just nursing in any kind of busy, chaotic environment, generally being a calm person helps. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think there's an A, B, C, D list of skills you need. I think it's, um, you know, really good common sense is probably the most important one and a good sense of (laughs) humour. Essential. Uh, I think that would be, yeah, that would be the first thing you'd need is a, a sense of humour. Um, and and you just said then about you have to, what did you say, something about you have skills in assessment. Can you explain that a bit more for us? Oh, so, you know, you're often, the nursing team in a prison are often the first people or they will be the first people on the scene after, you know, prison officers have actually, you know, perhaps opened a cell door and walked in and seen somebody who needs urgent medical attention. So you're that you're that person or you're that part of that team and, and you're responsible for managing that person until potentially paramedics arrive. Um, so, yeah, you have to be able to assess um, people medically and 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 get it right. So you you need those really good basic assessment skills for sure. Is, isn't that funny? When you said assessment skills, I just automatically. I've obviously been a cop for too long, but I automatically thought you'd be assessing: Am I safe to go in there? Um, oh, am I? You know, absolutely the, the safety issues. But really, what you're talking about primarily is their assessment of their medical. Um, issues, but I would imagine assessment-wise you would have to have really honed skills on assessing a situation as well for your safety. Oh, safety is paramount. So, 
you know, there, there will be, I think, and there are probably exceptional circumstances in a correctional environment or a really kind of institutionalised environment. So it could be in a secure mental health ward where, um, you know, the person who requires medical attention, it's just not safe to approach them. So while they may need medical attention, you know, the safety of the people attending to assist that person is paramount. So, you know, I mean, often it's the other way. Um, it, it is actually quite safe for you to enter a situation, but obviously doing that risk assessment is, you know, it's it's basic life support. That's the first thing you do, Dr ABCD, is danger. Um, danger is the first one. Yeah, for sure. You're always making sure that it's safe for you to go in there. Oh. Yes, and you're right. Um, I really like, just recently I've heard this um, analogy about um, helping people and whatever way you're helping somebody, whether it be as a correctional nurse or somebody at an accident or whatever, um, as in, you know, anybody from the public, you have to put the mask, it's like the aeroplane um, analogy where you have to put the mask on yourself and make sure you're right first before you can treat anybody for anything. And mm. I would imagine in a prison system, well, unfortunately, your your safety is, is probably even more um, uh, relevant than almost anywhere else. Yeah, look... I think the advantage of being in a prison environment is that it's it's always sort of front and centre. So whenever you whenever you become orientated to a prison service, um, you're there as as a partner of that security service that provides all of the security in the prison environment. So you'll do an orientation, and they'll they'll talk to you about you know how things work at this particular site, but you know, across the board, um, the safety and the security of the prison setting is always paramount. So it, it, I guess it, that is an advantage of being in a prison in that you don't kind of take it for granted because it is the, the primary consideration. So, yeah, it's, it's, I guess, in a way, after all of the, the time that I've spent in prisons and been in hospitals and done lots of work in the community, um, I'd have to say that I probably feel more secure in a prison <laughs> from, a, from a nursing point of view. And I know I say that with a bit of a chuckle, but it, it is a lot of people are surprised when, when you say that because yeah. they assume that you're immediately walking into a dangerous environment and that you're continuously feeling unsafe and insecure. But it's actually the, it's actually the reverse because the primary driver behind everything you do is about the safety and security of not only yourself but everyone else in the prison. Whereas I think in hospitals and in the community setting, maybe not so much in hospitals now because I think I think it's taken a lot more seriously, but in the community I think there's still a, a little bit of a lax attitude about the safety and security of nurses going into people's homes and you know, we and and as as caring people, we just automatically go in there and don't often think um, necessarily as instinctively as you would in an environment where it's ever present. That consideration. I hope I'm not waffling on too much, but 
I think it's just it's just a more secure environment because it, it has to be. No, and trust me, you are not waffling on because there are, <laughs> I don't know another correctional nurse and they are just, you are just, uh, it's an unusual uh, career and I think most people would be just, it's just such an interesting insight into just a different career path for a nurse. Like somebody mm. has to treat the prisoners. And as I said, they're not, they're not all murderers and, you know, drug addicts and rapists. I mean, a lot of them are just in there for, oh, well, as I said, all, all different sorts of things. And so, when why... What was it that drew you to a career in correctional nursing? Because it is unusual. Um, well, I kind of did things ass about. So I, I talked before about, you know, it's really great to have ED and critical care and ICU experience. Um, so I actually approached a prison health service my first year out of training and said, look, I'm really interested. I really want to work in a prison. Um and they kind of laughed at me and said, go away and do your grad year and then call us back. And so I did. I went away for a year and did my, you know, consolidation year in a hospital and learned all the things that I that I could learn in a year and then came back and said, okay, I've finished my grad year. Um, can I join your casual bank? And I was just really lucky that I had this um, really lovely health service manager who took a bit of a punt on me and um, saw that. I was really keen and um, he gave me a job. And so I, I kind of worked alongside my normal sort of acute care nursing role in a hospital that I was doing. I was working in a little emergency department in a, in a hospital. And um, so I worked there and did casual shifts at the prison as well and, um, and did that for a few years. And I, I knew nothing when I started. It was pretty embarrassing because guys would come into nurse <laughs> clinic and, and ask me really basic stuff <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, hang on, I, I better go and ask someone about that because you just, yeah. you don't know a lot of stuff when you finish nursing and, and it's a very different way of looking at patient care in a nurse-led clinic in a primary healthcare setting to how it is on a busy ward in a hospital. It's just a very different way of, of caring for people. So um, it was a really steep learning curve. And the people that I worked with were amazing. They just let me. They just let me run clinics and learn. It was incredible. Yeah. But but what was your what was it that um, drew you to a prison system? Like you've said then that the you know you just just almost just finished your training and you want to go into prisons. What was it about prisons that um, I don't know interested you or drew you to that? Um, well, I came to nursing a little bit later, so I I always wanted to be a nurse. My mum was a nurse, my aunt was a nurse. I used to dress up in my mum's uniforms and <laughs> do all that sort of stuff. But I think, yeah, um, I used to, I, I did my work experience in nursing when I was like 15, 16, and it was in the horrible 80s when, before, just before the nurses strike. Yep. I don't know if you remember I that, Morel, and yep. it was hor- nursing. Nursing was terrible. Like there was no ratios. There was really poor working conditions, and it was just a horrible experience. And I think it kind of scarred me a little bit and made me not want to be a nurse, which was a shame because I 
walked away from that until I was about 28. So I came to nursing pretty late, but I think that was probably a good thing. Um, and I'd done a Bachelor of Arts in the meantime, so I've always been a bit of a thinker, I guess, and there's some, you know, some academic components to your nursing studies. So I really got my teeth into those that looked at the ethics of nursing and why we why we become nurses and what drives us. And I think um, I came into contact with some research about um, women in prison living with um, hepatitis C, viral hepatitis, and um, started to make the connection between social inequity and health inequity and just became interested in it that way. And I, I think I really wanted to get into complex people, complex situations, and I don't think you can really get much more complex than looking after people who have, you know, pretty really terrible social um, backgrounds and that translates into pretty complex medical problems as well. So I think that's that's the answer in a nutshell. I think I'm a do-gooder basically. Yeah, yeah. no, that <laughs> makes sense. Absolutely it makes sense. And you want to, pe- you want to help people that aren't, uh, that have had a bit of a rough ride and I feel exactly the same. I don't know what it is. Uh, there's no particular reason why I feel like that, but I think maybe we look back and think we've had a, you know, we've been very, not privileged, but just lucky and fortunate in so many ways. And it makes you realise mm. that there's people out there who haven't been as fortunate and you want to help them to show them that, you know, life, you know, it is okay. There are people out there who care. And um, I'm sure a lot yeah. of people in prison don't feel like that. And we just want to try and make, I know it sounds a bit cliched, but we do want to make a difference, don't we? Oh, definitely, definitely, and I, I think um, it's just it's just who I am. Um, I don't know, and I think maybe it sounds a bit silly, but um, I think probably I was in a prison in a previous life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like it just I just have this I just have this connection with them, and you know, whenever we go away, I've got to drag my husband into any historic prison site and explore it. And I don't know what it is. It's just it's just something that has I've always felt really comfortable in a in a yes, prison. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's funny because I must admit I don't feel like that when I go to a jail, for instance. Um, my husband's very interested in history, and he would be very interested in that type of thing too. But I find it really sad and almost upsetting. I just think of the horrors that some people have um, experienced in jail or in a prison cell and I don't I don't want to be there. I don't want, like I still don't understand people that have gone to live in Pentridge, you know, that's now a, a, a little community and good on them, you know, for going there and finding you know, what um, uh, floats their boat. But I could think of nothing worse than (laughs) living where people have been uh, tortured and they've been so sad and so lonely. Oh, I I just, um, I think, no, they can have it. But And I must admit, even going out to a prison when I was um, a policewoman, 
I it really affected me. I found it um, very, very distressing and the less time I can um, go out to a prison, the better. But it was only because it really affected my emotions. I just felt so sad, so sad for yeah. the people out there. Mm. Yeah. I've had some I've had some odd experiences in like historical prison sites and I think because of what I do I pick up on the energy that's still there. Don't tell me you've found you've seen ghosts or something in a I shouldn't even joke about that. Oh, I haven't I haven't I haven't seen anything real, but I've definitely felt like extreme sadness yes. and extreme distress yes. and and even sometimes some cheekiness. Like, I know that sounds a bit weird, but um, you're old school people who've had a long period of incarceration. So, you know, blokes who were potentially at Pentridge, they have a very unique outlook on life and they can be very cheeky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I've picked up on, I've picked up on that. I've picked that feeling up in, in some way, shape or form at Port Arthur of all places in, in, we did a night tour and... I'm probably sounding like a complete kook now. The thought did cross my mind. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a weird. I can't really really. I'm probably not doing a good job of explaining. No, it. no, but I, I understand. But it's definitely. I feel You're very. Drawn. You are drawn. Dr- yeah. 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 There's there's something there, and I think maybe something happened. If you believe in past lives, maybe there's yep. some connection there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah, and that's another thing. Like with Port Arthur, interesting you say that. I, I wouldn't want to go near Port Arthur. It would distress me so much. But I yeah. know a lot of people go to Port Arthur and they find it, and it is fascinating in, on so many levels, so many levels. But, mm. you know, it's for, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go anywhere near there. But the no. I get that completely. I didn't. Yep. I don't think I'll ever go back there. I had some very weird experiences there. the the cheeky The cheekiness was was a pleasant one, but yeah, it's. I can completely understand that. I don't think I'd like to go back there. I, I, the only good thing that came out of Port Arthur was uh, John Howard and his um, stance on guns. And mm. I think what a sad state of affairs that it's got to take something like that, but also what a, a strong thing to do because he got a lot of backlash over that. But this is far from a political podcast, so I think <laughs> we might move on. But No worries. But do you have trouble attracting nurses to corrections? Because it seems obvious to me um, that because of the possible danger or whatever, uh, is that true? Do you have trouble attracting them? Um, I think not necessarily attracting staff. I think potentially retaining staff is is an issue because um, it is particularly in your more sort of fast-paced, secure, like so the more secure a prison setting is, the more the control is, the more the regulation is, um, you know, if you consider the difference between a maximum security site and, say, your end-of-the-journey road prison farm where people are getting ready to be released, there's a huge difference in how the prison runs day-to-day and, and how people can move around the prison and interact with one another. Um, 
So I think, you know, I think it's very easy or it's a lot easier for those sort of remote regional sites to retain their staff because, you know, it's it's a much more, uh, not relaxed, but there's that degree of freedom that you don't have in, say, maximum security environment where things can be really dynamic and change really quickly and potentially become very serious very quickly and, you know, you might be in a situation where you're responding to assessing, managing, assisting multiple situations and, you know, that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, And the thing is you're always in a prison, Narelle, so even if you're going about your day-to-day nursing tasks, you still have to do that within a prison context and you always have to operate within that parameter and that's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. No, no, I don't imagine it would be. But, I mean, the people that I've been working with at one particular site, um, I've been working with them for many years. So um, it's like any other workplace, you know, you create good teams, people stay. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Uh, What do you learn? Do you have any training in (laughs) self-defence? No. (laughs) No? No. No. (laughs) I know that's, you, you, that's probably sounds very, um, what's that word, naive, I suppose. No, no, it's probably very sensible. It's probably very sensible. Do you, you, you do get, <laughs> Yeah, you, you get trained in situational awareness um, and you get varying degrees of that training depending on where you go. Um, but you have, it's your correctional staff that are the, they're, they're at the cold face, so they're at the front line of, situations where that sort of intervention would be required, I I guess. And the nursing team are sort of one step back from that. Well, not one step, but we're we're not completely removed, but we're responding to a situation after something's happened. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, That surprises me. I would have thought that self-defence would have been one of the major uh, skills that you would have to possess to work in a prison but as again I'm, I'm probably showing my naivety oh no I don't think I don't think you're being naive at all I think um one thing you have to have is very good common sense and you know you're relying on the the geography of the place as well to be set up so that it is as safe as possible for you so and that's and that's the same in any setting not necessarily just in a prison so if you're in a situation where you're in a room with someone you need to be able to get out of that room safely oh yeah um yeah you know all those sorts of issues you know duress in a, in a prison setting you've got personal duresses you've got you know depending on which prison you're in you'll have a radio as well attached to you which also has a duress so you've got hardwired duresses on the walls desks all these sorts of places you've got you know, you've got your radio and you've got security staff all around. So mm. I guess um, the more time you spend in a prison environment, the more aware you become of that. It's said that, that, what do they call it? Is it dynamic security? So yep. you you get very good at observing your environment and saying, oh, well, that's not very safe. Those set of crutches shouldn't be leaning against the wall so someone can come in and bop me over the head with them, that sort of thing. So, you know, 
that's very much encouraged and facilitated, but not, yeah, not the old karate chops. (laughs) (laughs) You know, probably come in handy for the community, I think, sometimes. But when I think of, when I think of some of the situations I went into when I was a community nurse compared to what, you know, we're able to do in a prison, you know, um, yeah, community nursing can be quite um, a different a different thing altogether. You know, I would have thought uh, quite the opposite, that when you've worked in a place for so long, you can actually get very blasé and a bit um, laissez-faire about... Oh, sure. And, and you're saying that um, I suppose you would just have to keep your wits about you 100% of the time. I, I think I'm making it out like, you know, you're going to be attacked every minute of every day. I must, I think I've got, I've probably watched too many television shows, but clearly from what you're saying, you don't feel that threatened as I imagine you would. No, no. I, it, it's, um, I mean, I don't take it for granted, the people that I'm dealing with in a health context in a prison, but my overwhelming experience um you know, like 99% of the time has been, you know, people are very respectful of the nursing role. Okay, yep. They may not always behave in a respectful manner, but often you're able to diffuse that situation pretty quickly. Um, and because most of the time people recognise that you're there, you're there to help them. You're not there to be a correctional officer. You're not there to be punitive or penalise them in any way. You're actually there in a pretty sort of neutral role. So um, I think that's one of the really good advantages of being a nurse in prison in that there is a great deal of respect Yeah, and, and also role. I think that the prisoners would appreciate um, kindness and yeah, calmness for sure. and care, and I'm not saying that um, – you know, prison officers don't show that, but generally nurses are, well, not generally, nurses are a caring um, a lot of people and I think the prisoners would see that and I think they'd really appreciate that calmness and caring. Yeah, I think it's just like any other situation, Narelle, if you treat, if you treat people with respect, you know, Sometimes when they're in a, in a really emotional, distressed state, which can happen in, in an environment like a prison, not necessarily um, just in prison environments, um, you know, it doesn't really matter how respectful and calm and kind you are. <laughs> you know, that person is just in such a state that they might, you know, they may require, um, you know, other... other um, strategies to help calm them down but most of the time you can diffuse a lot of situations just by by being calm and following all of your training and and your instincts and um you know sometimes you've just got to let people vent it as well yes. I, was, I was just <laughs> going to say i think a, a big skill that uh, an important skill that you would have to have as a, a correctional nurse would be it's like anybody trying to diffuse a situation that it's just about letting people vent. Sooner or later they're going to run out of steam. Yeah. Uh, and, and just listening, 
not telling yeah. them what to do and what not to do, just letting them go. And they do. Generally, yeah. they will run out of steam and, well, hopefully very soon they run out of steam. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, sometimes, and sometimes they might be the third or fourth person you've had in clinic that day who's, you know, behaved not in necessarily a bad way, but have to, has just come in and they just want to dump all their stuff on you because you're the only person that they see in that situation or in that 24-hour period that's actually going to listen to them. And sometimes in your head you're rolling your eyes and, yeah. oh, God, I don't think I can handle this again, but you do. You just have to, you know, yeah. put that nice neutral face on and, and listen and often, often you're able to help them in some way. Oh, I'm sure. You know, and in a system where in a system where everything is so regulated and so yeah, um, regimented, mm. regimented, yeah, to be able to help somebody bypass not bypass a step or but just help them navigate their way through that system often makes a massive difference to their outlook and how they see you as well. Hello, guess who? <laughs> Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon. That's P for Peter, A T R E O N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there, who continue to support me. Thank you so much. What about, are you alone when you're in a clinic and you're um, a treating a prisoner? Are you alone in that clinic? I mean, I know you said that there's security all around and guards and everything, but in the actual clinic, is there somebody sitting there with you or outside the door or...? Um, it depends what you're doing. So most of the, my current role, definitely I'm in the room with them on my own the whole time unless I'm doing a clinic with a doctor. That would be the only exception to that. Um, but, you know, if you're doing a nurse, because I do a specialist sort of in-reach service now, so my my clinical stuff is quite specialised and it, it's not something that another nurse can sit in and do with me. So, um, but when you're working in a general nurse clinic, there are often things that you need to nurses. So if you're giving drugs that need two people to check that, that it's the right drug for the right person, that sort of thing. If you're doing um, you know, like a diabetic clinic and you've both got to check blood sugars before you give someone some insulin, that sort of thing. Um, but you're often, often all of the doors are open um, it's, it's not often that you actually close the door. Um, so you'll have, you know, that sort of dynamic security happening all the time. So you've got people walking past just making sure everything's okay. And you can actually say to correctional staff if there's someone coming into your room that you're aware of there may be some issues that you need to be, you know, a little bit more um, conscious of, um, they'll actually... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. You know, sometimes potentially stand out outside the room and just make sure everything's okay. Um, sometimes officers need to come into the room, um, depending on um, people's security status and what's happening for them out in the unit. They might be on a handcuff regime. Um, so it's, it's a very um, individual approach. But for me, most of the time, I feel quite comfortable sitting in a room with with a patient with the door closed. I've never had um, any issues with that. Yeah. Um, could you give us an insight into um, a normal working day um, for you as a correctional nurse? And I'm just, just um, apropos to that, do you get strip searched every time you go into a prison or, yeah, just a, if you could just give us a bit of an insight into that? Oh, okay. So as, as staff, as a, as a nurse, um, every prison has, I guess, their own individual entry process, but it's all pretty much the same components. So um, most of the time you'll need to put your bags um, through x-ray. You know, things have to be in clear bags. Everything has to be clear. Even your pens have to be clear. You can't take in a, you know, a pen that you can't actually look into, that sort of thing. Um, so you couldn't take a pretty pen like a nice, um, I You couldn't know. take your nice big pen that someone gave you to for your 21st. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. no, it has to, it has to be, it has to be a, um, a clear okay. pen, a that clear pen yep. or your food containers, that sort of thing. This is obviously, um, pretty obvious why you would need that. Yep. yep. Um, some, some sites you'll need to take your shoes off. Some sites you don't. Um, you need to take all of your outer garments off. So, you know, coats, jackets, jumpers. So you actually go through, um, you know, you'll go through a drug detection machine and an X-ray machine and, you know, so that you have to have as, as little amount on as possible so they can distinguish what's firing off. Um, often you'll get wandered. You know, you will get wandered after you leave the, the scanning machine. 
so they're looking for anything metallic. Um, and if you've got any equipment that needs to be, you know, counted at the front at the start of the shift and then counted again and documented as you, as you leave the prison. Um, but in terms of strip search, um, it does, it, I believe it does occur. So anyone that they believe has um, secreted or attempted to secrete um, contraband into the prison is subject to um, strip searches um, and that is a highly regulated process that needs to occur I bet it you is. Know, yeah. um, the right way. Mm. Um, and I've actually seen correctional staff, you know, interrogating visitors and it's, it's always done in a, in a good way, like it's a very professional process because um, it's so transparent. You know, there are so many other people around. So, um, but it's a highly regulated. There's signs everywhere saying, you know, uh, even before you walk into the prison, there's a big sign saying if you try and bring in alcohol, drugs, phones, cigarettes, you know, you'll you face up to two years prison. <laughs> so don't do it. Don't be an idiot. Um, but, yeah, that would be the only situation that you would be strip searched. Um, sometimes they might have the dogs sniffing everyone. That's just a reg- that's just a normal security process. Um, there's no there's no predicting that. That's completely up to the um, the prison and how they run the site on that day. So really, um, if you've got nothing, if you're not doing anything dodgy, you've got nothing to worry about. It's just like working in walking into any other workplace, and you really you got to remember not to take your phone in. That's a really big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what, what's your normal day like? For me now it's um, I, I, have the, I have equipment that I take into my clinic every day so that all has to be checked. Yep. Um, so I do a, a specialist uh, service. But I don't think if I was doing a general nurse clinic shift or um, I was just on the floor on the ward um, in the hospital, the prison hospital ward, it's really no different to any other um, nursing scenario, I guess, in terms of what you're doing. You're still, you know, people doing people's obs. You're still giving them medication, changing their dressings, you know, helping them with all the things that nurses help people with on a day-to-day um, basis on a ward or in the community setting. You're just doing it in a prison. <laughs> so you have to... You have to navigate things like counts and lockdowns and codes and all those sorts of things that really get in your way. So you might be right in the swing of things in clinic and, you you know, you're churning people, you're seeing them, you're thinking, oh, this is great, I'm getting through all my list, and then there'll be a code and everything stops. Yeah, I bet so it does. It's, yeah. you know, it, that you're subject to what's going on around you really. But it's no different in terms of your, your tasks. You're still doing your normal nursing things. Yes, yeah, okay. I don't know why I have this vision. I've never been into a prison hospital. Um, I think I've been a, a guard uh, at a hospital a couple of times when somebody's, um, you know, a, a, somebody's been caught, an offender's been caught, and they're something's happened, they've been injured and we have to sit with them and, you know, make sure that they don't escape or whatever. But in a prison hospital, and Pardon me for asking this. I feel a bit of a dill, but I don't know. Are prisoners handcuffed to the beds at all? Like, it, it, does that happen? Uh, no, not in a prison hospital, no. No, no, they're not handcuffed, no, no. 
Um, people coming into hospital, um, say if people are attending an outpatient appointment, there are security processes that the officers in the hospital must adhere to. So, you know, in those circumstances, people might be handcuffed to attend an appointment. But in terms of when they're actually an inpatient, so they're in a bed, they're sick, no, they're not, they're not handcuffed to a bed. Um, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's, it, like I say, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going back to the dim, no, no. dark ages. I'm but sure, but I'm, I'm, sure it, I'm, sure, I'm sure it used to happen, Narelle. I'm absolutely positive that, you know, practices like that used to occur. But as far as I'm aware, that does not occur now. Yeah. yeah which I don't is- think that's a naive, dim question at all. <laughs> what what would be some of the main stresses um, of being a correctional nurse? Um, I think I think just the environment can be can be stressful at times because it is a really, especially during the day, it's a really noisy kind of chaotic. And again, I'm sort of talking about your more secure settings. There's some, you know. Some of the prisons who are, which are based in regional areas of Victoria, you know, are a lot more relaxed. Um, you know, the environment itself is a lot more aesthetically pleasing. Um, you know, you have beautiful surrounds and, you know, there's a lot of um, opportunity for people who are incarcerated to make the environment look a lot more pleasing. Um, but in your more secure settings, it, it is, like you say, it is a pretty bleak place but often it has to be that way because of security reasons so you couldn't fill a maximum security prison full of beautiful gardens and trees and yeah things for people to hide behind I guess (laughs) um so yeah it's I think the environment can be confronting for people um and I guess that can be stressful in itself but um I reckon sometimes you have to be really confident you have to be a really confident person, particularly yeah. if you're in a more senior role. Um, you have to be really strong in your advocacy for your patient and, and your team. Um, and sometimes you have to really be quite assertive and <laughs> um, be able to convey that um, to correctional staff in a really professional manner, but also maintaining that relationship. So I think because it can be quite a, a stressful, you know, you can have quite stressful scenarios and um, there's lots of adrenaline pumping and I think a lot of things can be happening and and you know that you have to work within the parameters, as I've said, of, of, of where you are, but you also have to care for your patients. So I think, I think that can be really stressful. Um, I think that's probably one of the most stressful things I found when I was doing that role sort of full-time, I had a few um, few interactions <laughs> where I had to be, you know, pretty, pretty firm and it's, and I'd walk, I'd walk, I'd walk away afterwards and I'd be a bit shaky going, oh, that was a bit stressful. <laughs> yeah. What, what would be one of those, if you feel like sharing it, would there be, is there one that sticks out in your mind? Oh, I think, I think, um, I think it's understanding how stressful it is for correctional staff who are out there in the units, um, and they're they're really at that that they're the first point of contact. Yeah, and you know they're not medically trained. They're not 
um, you know, and their, it's their responsibility to make sure that the people in their unit are as safe as they can be. So, um, you know, often, sorry, I shouldn't say often, but sometimes they would be demanding of your attention and your time from a clinical point of view and saying this person needs your attention, it's really urgent. And you'd be saying, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it's navigating that situation where that person who you're trying to communicate with and reassure them that everything's going to be okay is reassured <laughs> that everything is okay. And when they're a big sort of six-foot bloke <laughs> and you're this tiny five-foot yeah. nothing, um, <laughs> and not that I was, not that there was any physical intimidation. It's just it's difficult for women to, I think it's really difficult for women to be assertive in a lot of situations, but I found that one particularly memorable. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. And so I'm just thinking now, are there many male correctional nurses? Yeah, yeah, there's heaps. Oh, okay. Heaps. Right. Yeah, so it's a it's a pretty good balance. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think you know, just, just on numbers though, I mean, I think most, the majority of nurses are probably women. I don't have exact stats, but I would say that, you know, if you looked at the whole workforce in Australia, I think there's like 80,000 nurses in Australia. Um, potentially there would be a majority of women. So I think it's just, you know, naturally there's going to probably be more women in a prison health service on any given day. But, no, there's there's plenty of men working in prisons as nurses. It's great. Oh, okay. I love working with men. Male, male nurses are just completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it really balances the team out when you've got a good um, a good amount of, of well, work. And, and yeah. that's like, as you say, that's like any workplace. I, I love a good balance of men and women. I've got to say working with policemen was just a blast. You know, I loved working with men yeah. and I really miss that. Yeah. One of the things I miss about policing is just working with men. They have a different way of dealing with a situation and it so often is the yeah. right, it's so often the right way and they've just got, I don't yeah. know what it is, but I love their sense of humour and um yeah, I really miss that about the workplace. Hey, talking about the workplace, um, I imagine you'd, it would be like any other workplace. You, you get close to prisoners. Is, uh, are you, like, do you get, you know, you have a bit of a soft spot for some prisoners and you really? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You, I mean, I guess I've got to be, you have relationships, therapeutic relationships with people that you've looked after for a long time. I so bet. Yeah. in the prison system, you know, like this, the official stats are about 50% of people who can't, who leave prison come back to prison within two years. Um, I, I suspect just anecdotally that it's, that that time frame is a lot shorter. Okay. Yep. Um, but, you know, so you if say I've I've worked in prisons for nearly twenty years, so there are people that I've known for that entire time. People that I've been, had points of care with at prison sites that I've known. You know, there's not too many of them, but um, you do you do become aware of people coming back into the system. 
um, oh, g'day, haven't seen you for a couple of years or, you know, you're back you again sort to? of thing. <laughs> yeah, what have you been up to? Clearly How no you been? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the role that I do now, you know, we look after people with really complex disease um, and often that requires assistance when they leave prison. So we... You know, it's it's a real continuity of care. So we might have people who are serving a sentence or they've come back in, they're on remand for a considerable amount of time and we have a point of contact with them again and then they'll get released and we need to navigate them back to the hospital for outpatient follow-up or whatever. Um, and then we see them again when they come back to prison. So it's there are people that you do end up having quite, continuous contact with over the years and that do and they do rely on you they see you as the person that they can ring when they get out to make sure their medications organized that they get their appointment with their GPs they they get in to see the specialists that they need to see and sometimes you're a person that they kind of just rely on because you're that friendly face that they've always been able to chat to and you know talk to and, you know, I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing. Um, no. In fact, quite the opposite. I think it, yeah. it's, it, it's nice that they've got – that you can build um, a therapeutic relationships with somebody and, you know, everyone knows um, there's rules and everything, but I think it's nice yeah. to have a, a you yeah. know, sort of a, a relationship as such. Hey, have you ever been? Have you ever been to the funeral of a prisoner? No. Okay. No. no I'm just wondering no. about getting. You know, there's people that really. Um, oh, I don't know. You feel a, a connection with, and I'm just wondering if you'd ever been to, um, you know, a funeral of somebody that died that you treated. Oh, look, you know, there was a, a fellow that um, was very involved with our service over a, a number of years and he passed away um, about 18 months ago. I That would have been lovely to attend his service. Um, he was out about in the community and unfortunately um, passed away. Um, so I think, you know, he's one of those people that kind of stick in your head because he was, you know, he was just a really lovely bloke um, to deal with and he'd had a really shit life. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just sad. sad. So you say you would have loved to have gone, and uh, if I'm getting too personal, please say, but so if, you, if he was out and you would have loved to have gone, is there a reason you didn't? Oh, because I, we weren't in contact and um, our service that um, assisted him, we weren't aware of him passing away until, oh, okay. yep. until after the event. So, um, you know, it, I guess um, just because he'd been so respectful of us and our role yep. and how yep. we'd helped him, it would have been nice to, I don't know, afford him a bit of respect as well. But um, I just I don't think you get the opportunity in a realm. That's that's the thing because often when you um, you see people in prison and they go, it's not it's not a common thing that you have an ongoing no I'm, contact with them. So yeah, our yeah. our service that we that we're running, where we are actually helping people navigate their health outside of prison, I think it's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, yep. 
but yeah, so often you don't um, get that opportunity. But I did um, a couple of years ago, a fellow that I looked after for many years, um, he passed away um, in the hospital and I was able to go and say goodbye to him, which was really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a conversation and he shook my hand and said, thank you. and Thanks for looking after me for so long. So that was really lovely. Yeah. Do the, in a situation like that, Anne, would the family be able to come in and say goodbye? I mean, I understand they have to go through all the, the security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that it is in, it is encouraged um, in those in that sort of palliative, like active palliative stage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a compassionate time. You have to be considerate um, of people, and it's a. I guess it's a it's a nice thing to see that people that you may have only seen in a correctional context, they've got a life. They you know they've got family. They've got yeah. they've got grandkids and. Yep. You've got all those normal things that, you know, you just don't normally associate when yeah. you see that person in a prison environment all the time. So so how do you deal with that? Like, you know, that could be very sad and I imagine that would happen quite a lot. You'd leave of a night and, and there's prisoners there who have got no one. They've spoken to no one. They really respect, uh, like talking to you and, you know, Work finishes at three thirty or whatever, and off you go. As do you sort of have prisoners in the back of your mind when you get home, and you think that poor man or poor woman, they've got no one there except me. Like, do they play on your mind a bit? Some of them. Um, I think I, I, I don't think so. I mean, there's been there's been circuit situations where things have happened, and you walk away and you just go, oh, "What the fuck was that?" You know, like. Um, what I do such a weird job. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I work in such a weird place. For sure, there are times when I just walk away, shaking my head, going, "What? What just happened?" Yeah. Um, but I think, and I, and I have seen some pretty, you know, ordinary things. Um, but thankfully, it, it's nothing that's ever played on my mind or um, upset me to the point where. It keeps me awake at night, or I start, you know, or I start, you know, thinking about that situation at inappropriate moments. Oh, you're um, so you're so lucky, Anne, because I know I think I am. <laughs> oh, because that's what did my head in, you know, like going home every night and not being able to switch off. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I've I've definitely had encounters, and I think most people who work in health or most people who work in services where they're dealing with people in trauma, yet you get affected, like of course you do, you know, and there are situations that do you don't forget and, you know, I can think of many right now, which I still remember, Mm. but in terms of playing them over in my mind, I think I've had occasions where it has been on my mind but I've been able to work through it and it hasn't become a longer-term impactful thing. Mm. Could you share with us one of those um, times that you have been affected by something that's you've somebody that you've treated or something that's happened? Yeah, I think I, I there was a young fellow in a unit that we went out to a code on, a colleague and I, 
and he'd obviously attempted um, some pretty significant self-harm and he was obviously very intent, serious, um, but thankfully the correctional staff, um, you know, did a great job and were able to help him. So we went out there to assess him medically afterwards um, and he was really embarrassed oh. and almost ashamed. Yeah. Like I just remember him talking to me about how he was feeling and I think I just think it really brought home for me how fragile that that moment is when people choose to make that decision and how you know, that simple intervention from those correctional officers brought him back and he realised pretty pretty quickly that my life is not great at the moment and I'm not feeling good but I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. And it, it just, yeah, I, I, that, that one sticks in my head because, you know, it was one of those situations where when we walked in it didn't look too serious but it was very serious, yeah. Yeah. Do you have support, uh, as in um, like counselling support, psychological support, within the system, I mean, you know, within the prison? Yeah, within our system. Yeah, within our system we've got like a formal um, staff welfare um, service that we can access. It's I kind of I think it's probably sort of like a mental health care plan set up, yeah. you know, you get so many visits um, and you can um, access more as needed. Um, yeah, so, I mean, after a couple, there's been a couple of instances where we've been contacted by that service because we were the staff that attended particular um, situations and they just check in with you and make sure everything's okay. And that's kind of how I worked out that, you know, what I was feeling after a particular event was pretty normal for me to be feeling that way um, and that I was told what to look for when it wasn't normal. So I think, I, like you said, Narelle, I think I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, you are very, very yeah. fortunate. I'm thinking, yes, you are very fortunate, but, you know, just listening to your talk, I think how fortunate, how, oh, God, I feel a bit funny, just how what a beautiful um, personality you have and how lucky those prisoners are to have somebody like you that is just so uh, calm, so giving, just a, a lovely person. Oh, I think, God, you've just, you, you do sound the perfect fit for what you do. You really do. It's lovely. Aww. Thanks, Narelle. That's lovely. You're making me blush. No one can see me. <laughs> oh, well, I've got I've got a few tears in my eyes. Um, yeah, is you know is, what? That I've I've learnt so much from the people that I've looked after in prison, and you know there are so many amazing nurses working in prison, and you know there's some really amazing correctional officers as well. You know, um, like really professional, caring people, and. Nobody wants to go to work and work in a really unsafe, horrible place. And that's the thing that I think people 
you know, um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if you hear people say, oh, you know, people need to go to prison and get punished. Oh, well, who wants to go to work in, in a place where people get punished? Yeah, you're I don't, right. I don't want to go there. Yeah. I don't want to work in an environment like that. You know, we've taken away people's freedom, um, but it's not our job as nurses, as correctional staff, as anyone who works in a prison environment to punish people. Our job is to be professional and do our job. And that's to keep people safe and, you know, that's, that's, that's it. It's that simple. You know, no one wants to go to work and be an arsehole all day. Like, I no. couldn't anything worse. No, although you do hear of some terrible situations and I, I don't think the show uh, Prisoner help, has helped any. <laughs> or <with> Wentworth. <laughs> What was oh, it? I, couldn't, oh, I do apologise, oh, but vinegar tits and, you know. Vinegar tits. Yeah, yeah, and all these, um, they just come across as really gruff and, um, r- oh, not rude, but just they could, pardon me, but they couldn't give a shit about their, the, uh, this is the staff, you know, they can't give a shit about the prisoners and they're all, um, oh, I just think it, it doesn't portray them in a good light, but. Thank goodness there's people like you, Anne. Um, <laughs> um, uh, have you ever? Felt- I think there's some degree of, of accuracy about <laughs> the day-to-day workings of prisons in those shows, but yeah. um, you know, I certainly I, I don't watch them. I, I, I couldn't watch them. No, I can't either. Well, yeah, number one is a- I don't have a TV, but which yeah, makes yeah, it very true. difficult. Yeah, that's um, making hard. Yeah, yeah, but um, oh no, I. I no, it doesn't grab me at all. I think if you want to, if you want to watch um, shows about how prisons really are, you've got to watch your. What's that show on Netflix? It's like um, you wouldn't know it, but it's like you know the world's toughest prisons. And I mean, it's this guy who um, did time in prison himself. He was unjust. He was incorrectly sentenced for murder. And he was he was innocent, so I think he did like eight years in prison in in England, and it would have been a pretty tough prison. So his job now is to go and travel the world and visit prisons and see how other people experience incarceration. Oh, so God. if you wanted to, if you wanted to look at how prisons really are, yeah, that's the sort of show you should watch, not Wentworth and. <laughs> <laughs> What was it? Escape? What was that show that used to be on Escape or something? And oh, you say no. oh, it was some some show about prisoners always trying to escape from some prison in the states. And oh um, god, you know, Alcatraz. Yeah, no, no, I can't remember what it was called, but it was some stupid show. And people would say to me, "Do you watch it?" And I'm like, "No." Yeah. Why would I waste my time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever felt threatened uh, in a? Or have you ever been threatened or felt threatened in a particular situation? Um, I've been in situations or I've been in, you know, a num- not many where, again, you walk away and you go, oh, my God, this job is so weird. Um, but it was, it was a, it, I think probably the one that stands out in my mind, it was a situation that a collective amount of us experienced together, like it wasn't me individually. So it was a team of nursing staff going out to a unit dealing with a situation that was just, you know, the um, it was just a really bizarre situation. Um, there was someone who needed to be moved from a unit and it was pretty volatile situation, I guess, and there were, it was 
very noisy, very chaotic. And I remember at one point a nursing colleague and I just looking at each other, shaking our heads, going, you know, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) And then you then you then you get out and you go home and you just get on with it. And it's just I, I, it made me feel, I guess, not threatened, but it made me feel uncomfortable to a point yeah. and aware of this. You're in a prison, love. You're in a prison and sometimes weird shit happens and it doesn't happen that often. Most of the time you're just in your normal working environment and you just go about your job and, and that's it. But sometimes it hits you like a ton of bricks that I bet. this is where you are. <laughs> I obviously can't talk about particulars and details, but um, yeah, it's just it's just the situation. Sometimes you find yourself in, and you go, "Oh, this is just a weird place." Yeah, <laughs> and, and and that's why I still go back to one of my first questions, where you said, where I asked, "Do you have any training in self defence?" And I'm still gobsmacked that. You don't have any training in self-defence. Yes, I know that we've got a tool. Everyone's got it. It's straight. It's literally under our noses is our mouth. But there's times when you just need something a little bit extra. But it doesn't sound like uh, you have experienced that uh, maybe because of your calm demeanour. I think that would often calm people down, you know, rather than going in there shouting and, yeah. you know. Yeah, telling, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but also um, situations where you're really relying on other people to keep you safe or to be to be in a situation where they're a lot more observant and a lot more aware of, this, of the environment that you're trying to operate clinically in. So you're relying on... You know, so there might be an event that's happened and you may be called upon to go and assess somebody who's been injured and there'll be lots of correctional staff present because of the nature of the incident. Um, So you're really guided by them in that situation about what you're able to do and what they think it's safe for you to do. So I guess self-defence is is listening to your colleagues around you and, and being guided by what they Mm. say you shouldn't, shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, I'm showing my police colours here, but have you ever had a prisoner make a confession to you? No. No? No, not in, in terms of their crimes, no. Yeah. Okay. No. That, um, I've had people talk to me about crimes that have occurred to them while they've um, been in the community and they've come into prison and something may have happened to them and they've not reported that to anyone else um, and or They've actually had something, you know, happen to them. They've come in to see me, and they've actually disclosed that that incident to me. So I'm obliged to then report that to the appropriate person um, or persons. Um, so there's a real process to follow. I bet there uh, is. Yeah. People will um, report, you know, um, suicidal thoughts, self harm thoughts. Um, they're wanting to hurt other people. So, you you know, it's a pretty clear pathway what you have to do with that information. You can't just let somebody walk out and go back to the unit and deal with that on their own. You have to let the security team know what's going on because, you know, the safety and security of the prison is paramount. That's the number one. That's the number one priority, yeah. I'm just thinking the reason I ask that is that I'm just thinking to myself, I imagine with your demeanour, 
that there would be people that would just want to tell you stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> my, yeah. My, my, my colleagues, um, Lucy and Amy and I kind of have a giggle about that. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, I'm just a bit of a, yeah, it's just, I don't know what it is. They sit down and it just all comes out sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I struggle with that. You said before about the situations where things play on your mind and if I've had a day and I think it depends on your stuff that's going for you on in your life outside of work as well. So, you know, recently I was studying and we were doing lots of things, you know, building houses and or building a house and doing lots of things and getting all everything, you know, lining our ducks up all at once and life was really busy and COVID and just everything and I had a couple of weeks in clinic where I just got lots of stuff dumped on me and I think, um, you know, sometimes it gets a bit much (laughs) and you do come home on Friday night and maybe have an extra glass of white wine or two. I reckon you deserve a couple, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) You know, I think think a lot of it is is how you're, you're coping with your... For me anyway, that's just been my individual experience. If, if things are relatively um, calm in my outside life, it's a lot easier to deal with some of the stuff that people give you when you go into work and you're sitting there and being a nurse in front of them. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be uh, pretty standard that if you've got a – and it's easy to say, isn't it? But if you've got a stable uh, home life or a stable life outside of your work, it's a lot easier to deal with uh, what you deal with. Um, but if you've got chaos at work and then chaos at home, Oh, my goodness, I don't know how some people deal with it. Well, look, Anne, it has been an absolute pleasure and eye-opener to, uh, you know, talk to you today and I hope the same goes for my listeners. I have no doubt that it will because it's just um, an insight into a world that most of us haven't got any idea about and hopefully we never do. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Anne. Uh, For my listeners, I'm in a car and I am (laughs) sweltering in here and I have to get out or I'm going to pass out. (laughs) Please do. I'm the door because all Because I'm too far away to help you. (laughs) You are, Anne. You are. Anyway, look, thanks again. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure, And thank you for the work you do, Anne. Thank you. That's okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you. See ya. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.